When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you, it's time to party. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by not only Keaton DeRocher of the Dynasty Guru in Over the Monster, but I also have with the show today, uh, Shelly Verstrait of Over the Monster, the Dynasty Guru and Pitcher List, and Bob Osgood of OTM and TDG for episode 238 of the show. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. We have a, a very nice full house today. Uh, let's start with our guests. Bob, how you doing, man? Doing great. I'm ready to go. You know, got a one-week delay, but uh, we're on the eve of, even if it's not the Red Sox opening day, the eve of opening day here as we're recording, and, you know, it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve for all baseball fans. Uh, Shelly, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, as as the person here who probably watches the most baseball of any of us, uh, how relieved are you that there's a baseball season to be had? Um, ten out of ten. I'm so excited. I mean, I I mean, I love my uh, college baseball. Like, I've really started like watching it like uh, last season and the start of this season, and started watching some MIB stuff. But 
oh, baseball is here and I'm so excited. I am also glad to hear that you have your uh, two assistants with you tonight. Um, so the heavy breathing is not Shelly. It is the two Frenchies uh, that are accompanying her, uh, Orsillo and Soto. So glad to see that they are making an appearance today. The whole crew is here. Well, as it should be. And Keaton, are you joined by your uh, your your mischievous cat today? No, they uh they're both locked out of the office right now. One of them is currently trying to mooch my girlfriend's pasta. So that's fun. <laughs> All right. Nice. Well, it's good to have a full house for this show. This is probably uh, my favorite show of the entire season. And, um, you know, part of that is just the excitement that's built up before opening day. It's just huge. And especially uh, this year with the relief of, of having a full season of baseball uh, to look forward to after a very contentious uh, lockout period. So let's get right to it. Um, on today's show, we are going to be talking about our final thoughts on the Red Sox roster, areas of strength and weaknesses, kind of second guessing what they should or should not have done uh, this offseason. Then we're going to get into our Red Sox superlatives. We're going to go over MVP, uh, best pitcher, defensive wizard, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, and unsung hero. Uh, and then we're going to get right into uh, all of the divisions. So we're going to start with the AL East uh, and go through every division in baseball, predicting who's going to finish one through five in those divisions. We'll pick our wild card winners, our division winners, and then we'll uh, also make our predictions for uh, all of the matchups all the way to the World Series, AL MVP, uh, NL MVP, uh, AL and NL Cy Young, and then we'll end with the two Rookie of the Year awards. So it's going to be a very jam-packed show, but uh, an essential one for you to preview the season. Um, let's get right to the roster, guys. Um, you know, the roster is complete right now, uh, it, as complete as it's going to be, it seems, uh, before the season gets started. Um, the bench is a little surprising. Uh, Travis Shaw back with the team. Looks like Jonathan Arias is going to make the team. Christian Arroyo uh, is on the bench. And then, you know, the bullpen is is a bit suspect here. But, I mean, the lineup is very good. So uh, let, let's start off with areas of, of strength uh, on, on this roster. Um, Keaton, I mean, this lineup is... Pretty incredible, right? I mean, that has to be the biggest strength of the team. Oh, without a doubt. For sure. Um, pretty much, I mean, the the back of the lineup is going to be a bit of a question mark again, but um, Bobby Dahlbach had himself a really great spring again. Socks a couple of zingers, giving you a bit of hope there. I'm um, curious if you'd take the, the over on 36 zingers again this year, if you got sucked in uh, that much again but um i mean the top like two-thirds plus this order is just berserk and then the addition of trevor story so we we touched on it a little bit on um the like the trevor story reaction pod but uh, the red sox haven't had a base stealing threat like him really since moogie Betts. um so it's been a few years since they've had someone be able to you know keep pitchers off balance even just by being on base i think it's going to have a huge effect to the lineup uh with just him being around uh and kind of just go beyond him having a really awesome bat that's like pretty tailor-made for fenway park um it's gonna have a ton of pop and then also be able to steal bases keep pitchers off balance 
and really kind of maybe draw some attention away from uh, the hitter, maybe draw out some at-bats, keep pitchers off balance, throw a few more pitches than they'd like to, and really kind of an effect down the lineup after him. So I just feel like that addition was huge. He was my my number one target in the offseason, um, you know, in our last podcast before the lockout happened <laughs> and all that. Trevor Story was the guy I really wanted them to go after and was super excited when they landed him. And I just feel like his the ripple effect of having him in the lineup goes far beyond just his bat skills. Um, so I, I'm just really excited for that. Yeah, they have a tremendous amount of left-right balance in that lineup. So, and, and tons of pop, like you mentioned, um, Shelley. When I was looking at all of the lineups in Major League Baseball, um, when I was going through all of my teams and trying to rank everything, I thought to myself, I think the Red Sox probably have the second best lineup in all of baseball uh, to the Dodgers, and. The more I thought about it and the more I analyzed it, sort of the more sure I became of that. Am I crazy here or is this lineup really that good? Um, You're not crazy, Jake. I mean, seriously, I mean, this lineup is legit, you know, one through six. I mean, Trevor's story is hitting sixth. sixth. Um, you know, it, I, it might depend on whether they're facing a lefty or righty, but I mean... The Travis Story signing just like really lengthened this already potent lineup, right? And I'm just like, this is this this is honestly gonna basically win us our games. Uh, we will obviously later in the show get talking about the pitching starting and relieving. That is a little bit suspect, but I mean, this lineup is gonna be so much fun to watch. Yeah, even lineups that are comparable um, in the American League that, you know, have a lot of big power bats and, and uh, you know, a lot of guys that can can take a lot of pitches and give you good at bats, they just don't feel as safe as this lineup, too. That's the other thing. Like, if you, if you look across and you compare this lineup to other good lineups like the Astros or the Twins or the Yankees or any of these other good teams in the American League, this lineup just feels so much safer and steadier with all the guys who are in it, who have long track records of being healthy and everything like that. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to be awesome. Um, But Bob, I mean, one of the other areas that we, we need to focus on with this lineup is uh, the defense and how much better is the defense going to be this year, uh, adding a, you know, gold glove caliber defender in, in Trevor story uh, to second base. What's the trickle effect, trickle down effect of that going to be on the rest of the team and how how much better do you think the defense can be this year yeah I think there's a couple of different places where the defense should be improved and you know we talked about how good the the lineup is now and there might be a bit of a black hole uh, in whether it's the eighth spot or the ninth spot with Bradley down there but that has to be an improvement in right field uh, on Renfro and then like you said Trevor Story grades out really well defensively, especially at second base. So those, um, you know, FIPS and indicators that we saw for the likes of Ivaldi and Erod last year that weren't even close to their ERA, you'd have to think that that bridges the gap a little bit with an improvement at second base and right field. And uh, in a lot of areas, Enrique Hernandez last year in center field graded out as, you know, he got the best jump on the ball in any as anyone in the league 
and had a ton of assists. Um, you know, they lost Renfro at a great arm, but it seemed like he lacked in some other areas defensively, made 12 errors or so. So I think at both right field and second base, the defense should be improved. And, you know, I don't think it's totally hit me that Jackie Bradley's kind of penciled into the starting lineup again this year, but um, I think that will be okay if in return there's a couple of improvements defensively. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. Uh, speaking of, of the uh, defense, though, the left side of the infield this year, uh, it's going to be Xander Bogarts back at shortstop, at least for this season, uh, with Devers holding down third base. Are any of you three buying the uh, narrative from spring training that Alex Cora has really been working on, you know, range drills with these guys and different glove drills using smaller balls and all sorts of crazy stuff to try and improve that defense? Do, do any of you guys believe that, you know, we'll see any market improvement from that side of the infield? Um, I guess I'll chime in here. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've, we've been, you know, we've watched these guys, you know, Devers and Bogey for years now. Yeah, they're not like butchers out there, but they're not the greatest, you know, uh, defensive-minded players out there but I don't I don't really think much is going to change I'm hoping that maybe there is like a small little improvement but I'm not expecting a drastic change I feel like Devers has room to make a jump because a lot of his issues are like footwork related yeah and that can get fixed uh I mean his range is what it is um it's but not when, bad yeah and so I don't think that like improving his range is going to make his footwork any better, but making his footwork better so that he doesn't bounce throws or you know let him sail as he's uh, you know getting himself set after making a play on the line or something like that that can be fixed. Um, I, I just I mean I guess I just wonder how much. I think there's an opportunity for it, but I feel like Bogarts is what he is at this point. Well, what if Bogarts just focuses on plays to his right and then lets Trevor Story cover his entire left side? I mean, at that point, why not just switch him? <laughs> well, we saw it work in uh, one of the spring training games. Did you <laughs> yeah, guys see that? Right. He ended up that. like all the way over in front of Bogey. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But let, let's get to the weaknesses. Bob, as uh, my fellow uh, Massachusetts native, uh, I turn to you for cynicism. What's the biggest area of weakness on this team? Well, I think it has to be the bullpen. Um, I'm pretty terrified about the bullpen right now. I think they're potentially three arms short, <laughs> depending on where Garrett Whitlock ends up being deployed. And I'm on the record of hoping that he's a starter, at least in the second half of the year, after they manage his innings early on. So, you know, I think fortunately they aren't that far over the, the first tax where they they're at 236 right now right so they're over 230 and you'd have to think that's an area if it's a complete abomination for the first month or two months that um they bring in a couple of other arms but i was surprised that kenley jansen or you know being the the top arm that i would have brought in or ian kennedy or daniel hudson like another power right-handed arm that had experience in this division wasn't brought in um, and you know, I think Diekman is a solid ad if he can get his control in check. I, he's a name that we were throwing around during the, 
the early pods in the off season. Uh, hey, don't strong. put that on me, man. You did that. You you <laughs> willed this into existence. You got to take credit right now. All right, I'll take credit. I did throw that name out there in <laughs> November, but accurate prediction. It's <laughs> the only thing I got right, but um, you know, Strom was worth a flyer, and there's some arms at AAA that could help, but I don't know. I I have a bad feeling about the bullpen, and it I think it could end up just being they might need the make an early season trade or two um, because they have 34 million before they get to the next spot. I don't know that they'll go to 270, but that just seems like an area that I could see them taking on some, some salary and adding a couple of arms because I don't know. It's, I don't feel good about it. And I know you don't either, Jake. No, I don't feel good about it at all. Um, And Shelly, I want to get to your take on the bullpen now. Um, because it is kind of interesting right now they're they're carrying 28 players on this uh, roster so a couple extra arms there um, cutter Crawford's a guy who saw his velocity spike this spring uh, made the team uh, is there anybody else lurking down there in the minors that we ought to have an eye on is you know Darwinson's didn't make the team he's kind of being stretched out Edward Bizzardo's still on the 40. You know, Derek Collins around, um, and then lower down, we've got some guys like Jacob Wallace and Brendan Salucci and, you know, some of the other options. Are any of these guys going to make an impact this year for this team, or, or are they going to have to look outside the organization like Bob was saying? I mean, in my opinion, they really do. Um, probably have to look outside of the org. Um, it, I mean, it totally boggles my mind that they are tr- – thinking about stretching Darwin's and Hernandez out. You know, I've watched the, you know, the opening day AAA at, at, you know, Worcester and, you know, Hernandez was the opening day starter and they're make they're trying to stretch him out. I just, I just don't understand uh, why they're doing that. Um, But I mean, they, we don't really have enough guys there to really, Anyone who comes up from the minors, I don't think it's really going to help our bullpen. We need to make some some type of outside acquisition um, to really put to give really any type of oomph to that bullpen because it's I, it's it's really 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 bad. And if you if and if you think that you're going to be competitive in the AL to just get a wild card or whatever. If you're going to go into any type of, you know, you know, do or die situation with that bullpen, it's, you don't feel great about that. You, the bullpen is absolutely wretched. Yeah. And I'm not sure you want to be going to some of the guys who are starting in AAA right now, like Bayo or, uh, Josh Minkowski or Frank German, any of those guys, um, you know, for, for important innings right now. Uh, those are sort of guys that could be interesting down the road as a starter or a reliever, but you may want to work those guys in, um, you know, a little bit slower. Um, Keaton, what's your take on this bullpen? We we talked a lot about it over the offseason. Did they do enough here? Or are you kind of with with the crew, the consensus uh, that this bullpen is is the glaring weakness? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm just as concerned about the starting pitching because the inconsistency and the health and just, I just, I don't think that they have 
really depth built up. I mean, I know they have Tanner Houck, who's slated to start in there now, and they have Garrett Whitlock. But then it's like taking those guys out of the bullpen makes it significantly worse. So um, then it, it kind of just kind of compounds the issues that you have there in the bullpen. But we're going into another season of Matt Barnes being the closer. You know, we saw him at his best for half a season last year, and then we saw him at his worst for the other half of the season to the point where he lost the job. So, um, I mean, he hasn't been able to be the closer for this team for a full season yet. So we're trying this again for like the third or fourth year. Do we think this is really going to be the year it happens? I have a lot of faith in that. So, I mean, right at the top, we got issues. So, um, where are they going to turn to after that? Is it going to be Diekman? It's, I mean, we, we talked about it on the last podcast. It's kind of like Ottavino 2.0, like high strikeout rate, but also really high walk rate and probably going to be really inconsistent. And he had seven saves last year, but he also had seven blown saves. So he was seven for 14, not a great conversion rate. Uh, Matt Strom might be the most consistent pitcher that they'll have in the bullpen. Um, but I'm not really sure if that's the kind of guy that you can rely on in those really high leverage moments. Uh, he seems like he would be more of like the bridge arm kind of piece that you would be looking for. So are they going to have to eventually bail on Whitlock and or Hauk as a starting option to put one of them in a high leverage role? It kind of feels like it's trending that way because they don't have any other options there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm going to go off on my bullpen tangent now. I, I just think it's completely ridiculous that, um, you know, this team was two wins away from the World Series last year, making the World Series. And uh, you're running back Matt Barnes, who was unplayable, didn't even impact the playoff roster uh, as your closer. Diekman is the same guy as Matt Barnes, except older, more inconsistent and left-handed. Uh, and Garrett Whitlock is you know, being stretched out right now. I mean, they, they want him in a multi-inning role, probably to cover up for the expected holes that they uh, think are going to be opened up by Tanner Houck's inability to get through the lineup three times. Michael Walker was horrendous last year and, you know, probably won't be great as a starter this year. Uh, and Rich Hill, who knows uh, what you can expect from a 42-year-old Rich Hill. So, you know, Whitlock and, and Cutter Crawford are there for length because they're going to need length. Um, if, if I had to look at this bullpen and see who I trust, uh, it would be Whitlock and Strom. And Strom yep. is the only guy who I think is going to really be in like one of those single inning high leverage uh, roles that, you know, I actually trust everybody else on this in, in this bullpen is a complete question mark to me. So um, I really think they missed on that. I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, is there anyone else here that anybody else trusts or, or are you guys as skeptical as I am about this ragtag crew? Nope. I'm with you. You know, Josh Taylor, maybe when things are going well. Yeah. Like I have a coworker of mine, um, and he's not as into baseball as I am, but he is a Red Sox fan, and he was just like, "This this pitching staff starting and relieving is like trash." I'm like, oh, "Pull up a chair, sir." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know the the other negative thing about this is if we if we do look at that rotation there, um, Ivaldi. Very solid. Great player. 
getting the opening day start. That's awesome. Nick Pavetta, he's a solid starting option. I think they've done a good job redeeming him, but he's really ideally on your staff of four or five. Um, we kind of, I mean, Keaton and I have talked about this. Tanner Houck, we still need to see prove himself in a starter's role. Um, and even when Sale and Paxton come back, I mean, we don't know what those guys are going to be. Paxton's coming off Tommy John surgery. Uh, we know that command can be quite inconsistent with guys coming off Tommy John surgery. And Chris Sale has not pitched meaningful innings uh, in, as a starting pitcher in years, really. I mean, he said so himself uh, in a very, very candid interview uh, just a couple of days ago. So I, I'm not sure how much better it's going to get. I mean, is is there hope? Is anybody here very optimistic about James Paxton or Chris Sale when they come back? I, I'm not. I mean, I mean, just the, the comments that Chris Sale said, which was kind of a, maybe like a little bit like, oh, okay. I, I, I'm not really expecting a lot from either the rotation or the bullpen, which just really just scares me. Like, I... I think that we're going to be in for a world of hurt, essentially. Bob, how do you feel about Sale when he comes back? I think that the rotation could potentially um, be a little bit better than we're giving credit for, but it's not going to be that way early in the season. Um, I could see a scenario in June or July where, you know, out of these six names, you need five arms that you can trust out of Ivaldi, Sale, Pivetta, Hauk, Paxton, and Whitlock. And I think that you can have a solid staff if those, and that's a huge if, if everybody's healthy there, right? But, you know, I'm taking Rich Hill out of the equation. I'm taking Waka out of the equation. And out of those six guys, I think you can find five arms or you can at least find four that you can trust. And I'm hopeful that around mid-season with Paxton supposedly ahead in rehab yeah we don't know what we're going to get out of sale but when he was out there last year he pitched well more often than not even though i think the tampa blow up kind of sticks out in our head a little bit he was pretty good most of the other outings so i don't think he's going to be the ace i think that's going to be evaldi you have an ace there i think sale can fit into the second starter and pavetta the third and hopefully find two others out of help packs and whitlock so i'm hopeful that's not the area that they are going to need to address as it gets closer to the trade deadline. But there's a lot of areas where they might be treading water. The first, I don't know, six to eight weeks, they really need to get through that stretch and get everybody healthy. How confident are you in a 33-year-old who has pitched 22 innings since 2019? Is that Chris Sale? No, that's Paxton. Oh, oh. Because <laughs> it very I'm not easily could have been Chris Sale. I'm not expecting a lot from him over the second half, to be quite honest. I, I mean, I'm hopeful that you can get something out of him, but I am not expecting much at all. I don't think they are either based on the way they set up the contract where it was, okay, you know, you need to prove to us that you're healthy and then we'll give you two guaranteed years. So I don't think they are either, but it's more of a lottery ticket. Yeah, and, and to... 
to get back to sale here too. I mean, 42 and two thirds innings since 2019. So uh, not oh. that many more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's yeah, pretty similar. Um, but I, I will, I will stand for, for Chris sale here a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Keaton and Bob and Shelly on Paxton. Like I expect nothing. Anything we get from him is a bonus, but with sale, I do think that things could be really good for him when he comes back. And if he can come back in June and be close to vintage Chris sale, um, for the remainder of the season, I think that's a, a complete game changer. And it sounds like his rehab from Tommy John was going really well. His velocity was fully back. His shoulder and arm strength are where they were before uh, the injury happened or kind of in that same range. So if we can get a a Chris Sale who's consistently pumping 95 um, when he comes back, I mean... That would be huge. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I'll say of all the things I'm pessimistic about, doubting Chris Sale is probably not one of the hills I'm going to die on. Yeah, the fact that he was able to come back last season and pitch, I'm a lot more confident that you're getting something out of Sale this season. I mean, this rib thing is so weird. (laughs) So I, I just... Yeah, it just seems weird. And the timetable, is it, it being what it is, maybe it's a little concerning. But I feel like it's something he can come back to and be be pretty okay. And maybe that maybe that's optimistic because it's Chris Sale. But I don't know. I don't feel as concerned. Paxton, I'm really not expecting much of anything. Yeah. All right, let's uh, before we get to our superlatives, I want to go through with each of you three. And uh, can you each give me one thing that the Red Sox should have done this offseason or should not have done uh, this offseason? Let's go ahead and start with you, Keaton. They should have extended Devers. Hard agree there. Yep. Shelly, how about you? Um, outside of the extensions of Devers and Bogie, just try to get someone in the bullpen because the bullpen is absolutely horrible. Yeah, as the kids say, the bullpen is dog water. Um, Bob, how about you? All right, so Devers was first and a bullpen arm was second. So I'll take my third option and say they should have added another outfield bat so that we're not playing Christian Arroyo out of position because the last time I saw that happen, he messed up his hamstring about eight minutes into the game. So (laughs) I would have preferred that they signed um, a platoon right-handed bat to go with Bradley in right field that could play a little bit of defense. Wasn't that at first base too that he hurt himself? It was. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, uh, just consolidate all your thoughts and say they should have done all of those things. So there you go. All right. Boom. All right. Let's get to our Red Sox superlatives. Uh, again, we're going to go around the horn here. Uh, team MVP. I'm going to kick us off. Uh, my team MVP this year, uh, the person I think who is going to lead this team in war and generally be the most impactful player on the team is none other than the uh, new addition, Trevor Story. I'm very, 
bullish on the way that his bat is going to play uh, in Fenway Park. I think his his swing is kind of tailor-made to take advantage of the wall. Um, and I think that a lot of that power is going to translate uh, over here. And the base running skills have, have gotten better as he's aged as well. Uh, so I'm just very, very excited to see a uh, star level uh, second base defender as well. We haven't had anybody like that since Dustin Pedroia. So that's the guy who I think is going to be the team MVP this year. Um, let's go to you next, Shelly. Who, who's your team MVP? Uh, yeah, the, the Trevor Story thing, um, I'm still kind of like in shock that we have Trevor Story on our team because I'm like, oh, we have a really good second baseman slash or stop. Anyway, um, my MVP is, you know, it's it's going to be Rafi. Um, I mean, you know, he's they, he is in talks with an extension with the team and it's probably not going to happen because of just things. But I really think that that Rafi is going to have an amazing year this year. He's gone like gangbusters with the home runs in spring training. He's I I just I just think that this is going to be I think this is going to be Rafa's year. Like seriously, just everything is just going to just go gangbusters and he is going to lead this team and it really it, it makes me sad that I don't say that Xander is going to be the MVP because I always pick him for this category. <laughs> but I think I think Devers is just really going to have a great year this year. All right. I agree with that. I uh, I almost picked him. I just uh, wanted to go, go a different direction this year. Um, Bob, who'd you have? I also went with Devers. Um, you know, it's easy to forget that he's – just going to be in his 25-year-old season this year and is coming off 113 RBIs and 101 runs to go with 38 home runs and that he could have another level above that. You know, he could have a Mike Trout without the stolen bases type of season and Trout doesn't really run a whole lot. So I feel like if they're both in the field, they could have very similar stat lines at the end of the year. Um and I think he could be in the mix for the MVP of the American League, depending on how that unfolds. So I just, I know it's hard to imagine a, a higher level than that that Devers had last year, 38, 113, 101, but he's been incredible in the spring, and I could see him hitting 45 home runs this year. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, he's certainly got the power to do it, so I, I think that's a good call. Um, where are you at with this, Keaton? Yeah, I went Rafi for, you know, everything that Bob and Shelley outlines. All right. Uh, best pitcher, Keaton, lead us off. Who's your best pitcher this year? Nathan Evaldi. I'm not going to lie. This was really hard. There wasn't a lot of great choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, why'd you pick Evaldi? Uh, coming off his best career year, uh, inexplicably led the American League in war, if you go by fan graphs. Um, it was just really nice to see what he could do over the course of one entire healthy season, and just fingers crossed he does it again. All right. Nice. Uh, Shelly, who'd you pick? Um, I also picked Nasty Nate. Um, I mean, there's really no other better pitcher, honestly, in this rotation. Um, I don't trust Chris Hill at all. Um, and then just seeing like the athletic, like they put out this article and they had like the aces kind of 
like just trying to pick out like who are like the best pitchers and Nathan Eroy was like the highest ranked um Red Sox pitcher and I think he was ranked 17th out of all of baseball which yeah, he was. I, I I think was like kind of crazy but I'm like I get it so yeah Nathan Eovaldi here for best pitcher I think he was the only Red Sox pitcher listed on that right did Chris Sale even make that list Chris Sale made that but then I'm like when was this kind of this question like put out to like the entire athletic staff because I'm like yeah yeah, maybe Chris Sale wouldn't have made it but yeah um uh, Sale made it but Eovaldi was still higher that was a really good article. I, I really like the hitter piece that they put out on that too. So yeah. if you're an athletic subscriber or not an athletic subscriber, definitely worth it. Um, free plug there. Um, Bob, who'd you have for best pitcher? I'm going to make it three of us with Ivaldi. Uh, you know, he finished fourth in the AL Cy Young vote last year, which I, I was, when I was looking him up today, I noticed that. And he, th- there's not that many elite front of the rotation pitchers in the American league, or at least there wasn't last year, you know, and he ended up throwing 203 innings between the regular season and the postseason, and kind of quietly becoming a horse in this rotation. He, he stayed pretty healthy in 2020 as well. You know, I know he had, has had plenty of arm injuries in the past, but you know, his control has been pretty good. And um, yeah, I just, Kind of by default, but also think that that he should continue on this year and and be a leader in a rotation that really needs him. Yeah, I think that Eovaldi is a great call and definitely a safer call than the the uh, anti chalk pick that I went with here uh, in Chris Sale. Um, my reasoning for picking Chris Sale as the best pitcher on this team is simply because I believe he still has the highest ceiling out of anybody on this staff. Uh, if if Chris Sale is fully healthy. Uh, by June, which, as we know, we've just outlined, is a massive if. Uh, but if he is, he's a better pitcher uh, than Nathan Eovaldi. And I think that Nathan Eovaldi has really figured out his body uh, late in his career. I mean, he's 32 years old right now. And as as Bob just mentioned, I mean, he threw 203 innings last year. Uh, that's huge. But I, I could also see some regression in that category. He's been a guy who's been oft injured throughout his career, so... I could see a scenario where Chris Sale is healthy June through the end of the season and extremely impactful and one where Eovaldi misses some time and maybe is a little bit worse than he was uh, last year. So went with my boy Chris Sale there. Uh, defensive Wizard was our next category. Bob, who'd you pick for Defensive Wizard? Uh, I went with Enrique Hernandez there. Uh, I referenced earlier that I think he had good a jump as anyone in the outfield last year which you know he'd played more infield than outfield and he was the starting second baseman on opening day so it was not the probably the easiest transition for him and uh you know there's a outs above average metric where he ended up plus nine and was far and away the best outfielder that the red sox had last year um you know that's only one metric and i don't like to look at the defensive stats a whole lot but if you even just use the eye test, the number of great throws that he makes from really deep in the outfield to third base and outfield, um, or, or to third base and to home plate, 
I feel like he just made that transition so smoothly, and he's kind of taken it as a challenge that he is the the starting center fielder. It was a quote in the offseason that he said, the Red Sox prospects better start playing another position because center fielder is mine now. And he said that on like an Instagram live that somebody caught. And I just was like, I mean, he's embracing that. And, um, you know, I just, I like the confidence. I love the way that he played in the outfield last year. Yeah, He's been sneakily one of my favorite players since he got here. So love that pick. Uh, Keaton, who'd you have as your wizard? I went with Trevor Story. Yeah, me too, dog. Yeah. Looking forward to that second base D. Yeah, and that range all the way over. You know, we talked about it before, but his ability to range over to shortstop when he needs to from second base to make a play, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I highly agree with you there. Uh, Shelly, who was your wizard? Yeah, mine was the same. Uh, Trevor Story. Um, I mean, I, I, I really like, uh, you know, Hernandez out there. Um, but I, I, I just think that having a shortstop back at second, it's going to give me, uh, you know, just, just, it's just going to be really great. Like, I, I know that he has elbow injuries, um, or elbow issues, right? But if we have a shortstop over at second, it's really going to help just so many things. I'm just, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I just want to see diving plays towards the first base bag because we haven't seen those since PD was here. PD, yep. I need those. I need those back in my life. Um, biggest surprise is our next category. Biggest surprise is sort of like which guy do you think is going to take a jump or pop or you know, whatever. Um, Shelly, who's your guy for biggest surprise on the team? Um, Cutter Crawford. Ooh, I like that. I, Tell me about Cutter. Um, I, I just liked everything that he's done this spring. Like, everything is just, like, clicking. And as we talked about previously, the bullpen is not really that great. So I guess it's kind of like an easy bar for him to just kind of, like, climb over. And I just think that he is just going to, like, pencil in as to not be, like, the closer type, but be the seventh, eighth inning glue guy that we really will need because our rotation is iffy, our bullpen is iffy, but we have a guy that we kind of depend on. And I really do think it's going to be Cutter Crawford. So I think the biggest, quote-unquote, surprise is going to be this guy that we never really seen this year. Awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Keaton, who'd you go with? Well, I went with my man Tanner Houck, who's going to shock everyone and remain a starter all year. I mean, if that happens, this team is very different. Yeah. Like, I think that drastically changes the ceiling of this team. So you're buying that he's going to really develop that splitter. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Super duper. Uh, Bob, who'd you go with? Uh, I went with Bobby Dahlbeck, and you know, if you look at his stat line last year, he just hit 240 with a 298 OBP and struck out 34% of the time. But to me, it seemed like at every level he made adjustments, especially if he you know repeated a level. And I saw that adjustment in the second half of the year with him after they traded for Schwarber. I think it lit a fire under his ass, and he hit 287 after that time and had 15 homers and. 143 at bats and 
that would have been on pace for your prediction last year, Jake. And <laughs> I don't think it's that crazy because he hit 25 homers last year, and he'll have a couple of slumps, there's no doubt. And he wasn't playing in the playoffs because he was in one of those, but he was as hot as it can get for six to eight weeks um, prior to that, hitting 15 home runs down the stretch. So I think that he's going to carry a lot of that over, and we've seen it a good amount in the spring. Yeah, I think that's a good call, um, although I have less faith than you. But um, I went with a, a guy who's just about as different uh, from Bobby Dahlbeck in terms of strikeout rate and stuff uh, with Alex Verdugo. Um, I, I think that Alex Verdugo headed into his age 26 season here is really going to break out in a big way. Um, last year, he cut his strikeout rate from 20.4% in 2020 to uh, nearly 16%. Uh, last year, uh, high OBP guy, you know, high batting average guy, takes a lot of pitches, gives you good at bats all the time. Um, I could see him increasing his stolen base numbers. He only stole six bases last year. I could see that going up, and I could see his home runs going up too as his body continues to mature. He can continues to add some strength to his frame. He only had 13 home runs last year. I could easily see him challenging for like a 2015 season this year. Uh, while maintaining those elite ratios, uh, those elite slash line stats. So um, I'm a big, big Verdugo fan. I think he adds a lot of length to this lineup. All right, let's move on to our next category. Uh, Biggest disappointment. Um, I guess I'll start off here. Uh, Bob, I picked Bobby Dahlbeck for my biggest disappointment. (laughs) Uh, The the reason why, I'm just not sure that Bobby, as as Shelly affectionately calls him, Bobby Bouncy Balls. I'm not sure that he is going to figure out how to um, bottle up what he did in the second half. I still think there's a lot of holes in his swing uh, that can get exposed by good pitching. And I'm just worried that with a monster lurking behind him in Tristan Casas, a literal monster. I mean, the man is huge. Um, he just hit a homer, by the way. Nice, nice. Right now, 107 miles an hour. Oh, man, he's going to be a beast. Um, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, Bobby, Bobby's going to have a guy breathing down his neck who's actually larger than Bobby, who's a big man himself. So, I don't know. Not confident. So you're expecting a physical believe. confrontation. <laughs> I, I think I think Casas might just eat him and consume him and then, you know, take his spot from there. Well, it'd be a problem. <laughs> just inhale him Kirby style. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um what who do you got, Keaton? Who's your big disappointment? Matt Barnes. Oh, that's low hanging fruit, man. Sure is, but hey, he's the closer <laughs> right now, so we're kinda we kinda need something out of him. And I yeah. just don't think we're going to get it. I definitely agree with that. So <laughs> not much I can add there. Um, Shelly, who, who's your big disappointment? Yeah, it's definitely going to be Tanner Houck. Um, I, Ooh, rude. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care if I'm being rude. It's true. <laughs> um, I I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it um, from him. Like if he was like a fifth starter, I could grin and bear it i just i don't trust that he can add more to his pitch mix to actually 
be a major league starter, especially as a number three. Yervaldi, Pravetta, Hauk. Like, I don't I don't really think that he could be a number three. Maybe he could be a number five, but I just, I just don't believe... I guess I don't believe in him. I don't believe in the Red Sox developing pitching whatsoever. I don't really trust splitters too much. Um, I just... I, I No, no. Uh, Tanner Hauk is going to be a disappointment and... Sorry. Was okay, it just because they haven't developed a pitcher since like four or five general managers ago? <laughs> since Clay Buckholtz? Exactly, Cletus. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's I would I would even take it a step further back and go Lester. I don't know if they really developed. They've developed half a season of Buckholtz. Hey man, Buckholtz was good. He was he made a couple All Star teams, didn't he? I, I guess, think it was uh, one that half season. He was injured and couldn't even participate. Yeah, well, Brock Holt <laughs> made an all-star team, too, so take that Obviously for what it's participated. worth. Um, it feels like we have a couple of dumb bets uh, brewing here between uh, Shelly and, and Keaton over Hauk and me and Bob over Bobby Dahlbeck. So I like I like where this is headed. It's, it's good. Good disagreement. Bob, who's your big disappointment? I also took Red Sox closer Matt Barnes as my biggest disappointment. We will all be disappointed when he's not closing three weeks into the season. He's making another arm slot change and has lost spin rate and velocity. And I just don't, I mean, that was quite a run he was on for two or three months, but I, he was left off the playoff roster and I haven't seen anything since that makes me think he's the pitcher he was in the first half last year. Well, at least we have Hansel Robles in the Undertaker music, right? Yes. Some of the most awkward uh, entrance music I've ever seen in my life from Hansel. Speaking of weird all-star appearances. All and I love The Undertaker. Right? Who's your weird all-star, Keaton? What, Robles? At Barnes, last year. Oh, God. No. That's a... <laughs> and then it all fell yeah. apart. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Um, yeah, so you guys don't believe in the Matt Barnes straight fastball down the pipe at 92? I don't. Weird, weird. Okay, well, yeah, we probably aren't going to see him on Pitching Ninja this year. I don't care if I'm being rude. <laughs> That's the theme of this podcast. I don't care if I'm being rude. Yeah, that has to be the name of it. <laughs> uh, all right, last category here is Unsung Hero, guy who you're expecting very little from who ends up being a dude. Uh, Shelly, let's start with you. Um, yeah, honestly, like my dude, who I think is going to be a dude, um, is Kevin Plowecki, right? The Ploster, yeah. Exactly. Like he, he was a great second, you know, you know, a second catcher last year. And, you know, he had the whole, during the playoffs last year, you know, he brought off the whole, you know, the dancing on my own, just kind of like, just totally brought the team on whenever they won, just bringing the team together. I think Plowecki is like a really, really good glue guy. And he is a totally unsung hero. I think he was the unsung hero last year, and I think that he's going to be the same guy this year. How much time do you think Plowecki gets at first base this year? Over, under, like... 10 innings at first. Um, over. 
Love it. Okay. Uh, Bob, who's your unsung hero? I'm going to go with Rich Hill. Um, I think, you know, he's 42 and there's an injury history and he's been lit up in the spring where I doubt he really cares. But he hasn't had an ERA higher than 3.86 since he returned in 2015 from independent ball. And he threw 158 innings last year. And I don't know that he's going to repeat that. I'd say it's unlikely that he does. And whether it's 80 or 100 or 120 innings, I think that they're going to be quality innings. Um, So I, I just think he's the fifth starter and... Most people don't believe he'll be in the rotation in the stretch run, but I think that he's going to give a little bit more than than we're expecting from the, from a number five. Do you think next time he gets kicked out of Gillette Stadium, they will know who he is? <laughs> he's got an edge. They better. Uh, hopefully, he's semi mic'd up when he's pitching because he drops at least twenty f bombs most games. <laughs> and I missed that, so I'm glad that he's back. All right, good. I like that. Uh, Keaton, who's your unsung hero? Matt Strong. Ooh, okay. He, he's going to be the guy to hold down the bullpen. Talked about it before. Is he might be the most consistent and the only guy I trust, uh, depending on what they end up being forced or not forced to do with Garrett Whitlock. So. I think he's going to be the guy they turn to quite frequently. He holds down the fort, and we we tend to enjoy him quite a bit. Uh, over under on ten saves for Matt Strom. Um, that's a really good mark. I think under. I don't know if they end up turning to him in that way. I just feel like he's like the. He'll be the seventh, eighth inning guy that uh, holds the fort to whoever they end up trying mm-hmm. to close. Um, and it just ends up being that bridge guy who just bails people out. And we just don't have to worry about those bridge innings. Um, he just doesn't have the high-powered strikeouts that you expect from the closer type. But maybe if they just don't have options, they may just be forced to do it anyway. So, Yeah. Yeah, 10's a good number. Um, I, I kind of think he'll be under that too, but I think he'll get a lot of a lot of usage this year. Um, my unsung hero to close us out is none other than uh, the return of the prodigal son, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, to this team, I know everybody's expecting nothing out of him uh, after he was the worst offensive player in baseball last year. Um, but, but I actually think that Jackie uh, coming back and playing good defense in a place that he's familiar with um, I'm going to say Jackie has over a 90 WRC plus by the end of the year. So uh, I, I think he's going to actually be a huge positive on this team, both with the defense uh, and with a couple well-placed hot streaks. Um, and they're very much not relying on his bat because as we talked about, this uh, lineup is insanely good. So we really don't need his bat, but I think there there are going to be times when Jackie's going to do vintage Jackie things, and it's really going to make us happy and win us some ball games. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Let's get to our divisional predictions, including our playoff teams. Um, let's start with the AL East. Um Let's how do you guys want to do this? Do you guys want to like go each one through five or do you want to all go one? I'll go two. I'll go three. I'll go four. I'll go five. One through five. Yeah. All right. Bob, you want to kick us off? Who, who's your one through five of this division? All right. I went Toronto at one, Tampa two, Boston three, New York Yankees four, Baltimore Orioles five. Shocking. And how many wins do you have for the Sox? I have them at 91. Okay. Do you have them making the playoffs? I do. Uh, their which... third, that uh, extra wild card will help. I have them fifth in the AL. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, Shelly, who's your one through five? I have the Jays, Rays. Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles, and I honestly, I don't think that the Red Sox even make the extended playoffs. Wow. How many wins do you have for the Red Sox? I mean, I have 83, so maybe that's a bit high, but I like a lot of what the other AL teams are doing, and I just am so scared about the pitching when it comes to the Red Sox that I just don't think that we make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, Keaton, where are you at? I got number one, Blue Jays, two, Yankees, three, Red Sox, four, Rays, five, Orioles. Got the Red Sox in the playoffs at 88 wins. Okay. All right. So you're bullish on the Yankees. Um, I didn't want to be, but I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I think the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays all have flaws. And for whatever reason, I just... I feel like the Red Sox pitching is going to hold them back a little bit I think more. The Yankees pitching stinks. Yeah, I agree. But I also feel like I thought they were going to blow balls last year as well, <laughs> and they didn't. <laughs> and then the Rays, so I was like, okay, well, I don't think the Rays and Yankees are going to be ready or better than the Red Sox. And I just, I don't really know what the Rays are doing. Well, I mean, I know what they're doing. They don't want to pay people. I like Austin Meadows. I think he's a fine baseball player. I think I got rid of him. So um, they also got a bunch of injuries to their pitching too. So I was like, maybe this is finally the year all that catches up. All right. All right. 
Uh, I have the AL East breaking down the same way as Bob does. I have Blue Jays at the top, Rays uh, second, Red Sox third, Yankees fourth, uh, Baltimore fifth. Um, and I have the Blue Jays winning this division, kind of running away with it. I think the Blue Jays probably win 100 games. Um, Rays, I think, have enough depth. Like they, They're replacing uh, Austin Meadows with Josh Lowe, or Lau, who's going to be pretty good player in his own right i think i think the red sox win 90 games uh and get the third wild card spot the third and final wild card spot um i think the rays get the first wild card and i think the red sox win 90 games um so good enough i think the core factor is going to keep them in there their offense is going to keep them in there uh and their pitching will be very frustrating um but I think you nailed it, Keaton, with the the fact that the Rays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees are all very flawed teams right now. It's kind of like looking at the teams and picking which flaws you think they can deal with or live with the most. And the Red Sox, it's pitching. The Yankees, it's age and inconsistency and, and pitching. Um, with the Rays, it's just like a whole bunch of unproven dudes. So, um, yeah, it's if you told me those teams finish in any order uh, – two, three, four, I would buy it. Uh, I have to yeah. say, I never really debated the Red Sox for the two spot. Um, I was debating for a long time between three and four. Um, where were you guys at with that? I mean, well, let me start with you, Shelly. You predicted the Red Sox fourth, which is the lowest out of all of us. Was there any point where you were like, well, maybe this is a third place team, maybe it's a second place team, or, or are they clearly worse than the Rays and the Yankees to you? Yeah, I mean, when it came to the Sox, it was really between three and four Yankees and Red Sox. And I slightly, I I slightly feel better about the Yankees pitching and the Yankees bullpen over the Red Sox pitching. And that really is what did it for me to put the Red Sox four. And I do think that the Rays... They're just like so sneaky, and I just think that they can just put things together um, to be better than the Yankees and Red Sox. Yeah, I think it's the the Rays definitely have earned the benefit of the doubt with what uh, they've been able to accomplish over the last few years with those payrolls. Um, Bob, you and I were kind of the closest here. and I think we're in agreement that the Yankees staff is, is pretty rough after Garrett Cole. Um, do you view the Red Sox advantage uh, in starting pitching as as big of an advantage as the Yankees bullpen is over the Red Sox bullpen? Because that's kind of where I was I was torn. I actually I think I probably would take the Yankees pitching situation in totality over the Red Sox pitching situation. Uh, including the bullpen and and starting rotation. But for me, it was looking at that Yankees lineup and all those guys over 30 and all those guys with extensive injury histories and then being like, they're not going to have this lineup for most of the year. Yeah, what you said at the end is the biggest thing. I mean, Donaldson, Judge, Stanton are your one, three, and four hitters. And sure, when they're all in the lineup, Aaron Hicks is another one. Um these guys are going to miss a, a lot of games and they have and uh, for years now. And I, I think that's just a concern. I feel like it could go south easily. And then they don't have a great rotation beyond Cole 
Severino another one. That's their third starter, and I already feel like he's he's had a dead arm in spring training. And then you got Nestor Cortez and Tyone, who gets has been getting injured for six years now. So there's just so much injury risk with the Yankees, and I don't know that they have the the starting pitcher depth beyond that. And they've traded away Gary Sanchez, which might end up working for them because the catcher spot can kind of be the same as the Jackie Bradley spot for the Red Sox, where you have good defense and you let the rest of the lineup pick up the slack. But um, I don't know. It, it just looking at the team as a whole doesn't blow me away. Yeah. Um, Keaton, before we move on to our next division, would you just give us the the lowdown on the Blue Jays? I mean, we all picked them. They might have had the best offseason in baseball. Uh, for, for people who may not have followed it, why are the Blue Jays so much better this year? Yeah, so this is actually where I didn't get a chance to chime in on this earlier because we were kind of doing like hot potato topics around the around the way. But uh, I think Toronto's lineup is better than the Red Sox. And I was surprised you didn't give it the credit that was due. You didn't even list it when you were going around the horn naming other comparable lineups to the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox bottom of the order having Jackie Bradley Jr., getting um, consistent at-bats and a declining Christian Vasquez and um, you know, you had Bobby Dahl back there as your, your disappointment. The bottom three there, not great. Bottom three for Toronto is Matt Chapman, Kevin Biggio, Danny Jansen. I like that way better. Uh, this is a hell of a lineup through and through. And then on top of that, they added um, a bunch of starting pitching, which was the piece that they were missing last year. They added some at the trade deadline um, last year uh, and then just continue to add guys this offseason. They added Kevin Gaussman. Uh, they got the young stud, Alec Manoa, coming up. They added Yusei Kikuchi. They added Jose Barrios last year, but then signed him to a big old extension. So now he's here for a long time. They added pieces to the bullpen. They got Yumi Garcia there, who's a guy that I really wanted the Red Sox to go after last year. That didn't happen. It's just in all three phases of the game here, their lineup, their rotation, and their bullpen it is the most complete team in the AL, uh, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think you make a good point about that lineup length too. Um, you know, having Chapman, Biggio, and you know Jansen, I don't think much of as a hitter, but Biggio and Chapman definitely have the ceiling of of a pretty good hitter there. Um, I, I would prefer the Red Sox one through six uh, to the Jays one through six, but I think that's close enough uh, that you could kind of uh, I, I could definitely see that preference. And I think you're right, seven through nine, they're 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 friggin' great, um, and that pitching staff is ridiculous. Um, I'm interested to see what Kevin Gosman does coming back to the American League. Um, Shelley, what do you think about Mister Gosman? He's another splitter guy. I mean, do you think that Kevin Gosman made enough real changes um, while he was a San Francisco Giant that he's going to be able to carry that success over while dealing with AL East competition again? Um, kind of, sort of, um, because he, honestly, Gossman's kind of like transformation kind of, you know, preceded his time in San Fran. Um, he was in Atlanta and then he moved to the bullpen, they moved to the Reds and he really changed up his pitch mix there and then went to San Fran and then like totally was just like really just awesome. So, yes, I, I, I think that it could work. 
it, there will be a couple blow-ups, but I do think that, you know, Gaspin returning to the AL East uh, will uh, not be great for our Red Sox hitters. Mm. Okay. Well, you know, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted, the optimism this offseason. Let's move <laughs> on to uh, the AL Central here. Uh, I'll, I'll kick us off with the AL Central. Uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to. Keaton, you need to because you live in the AL Central. Go ahead. I got the White Sox, Tigers, Twins, Guardians, Royals. Okay. All right. I'll go second. I have White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Guardians, Royals. Who you got, Shelly? All right. I got I got the White Sox. Uh, Tigers, Twins, Royals, Guardians. Okay, you got the Guardians with their newly minted uh, extension last place. Um, I was debating between them and the Royals. Are you buying the Bobby Witt Jr. magic? Um, I'm buying in with the Bobby Witt. You got, you know, Belendez. You got... Um... Just so many great hitters there. That Andrew I, Benintendi. Yeah, Benny. Benny is there. Like I'm totally buying in, and I, even with the extension that you know the Guardians gave to Jose Ramirez and uh, Emmanuel Classe, I just I just really like the up and. I just I can kind of see that Kansas City is just going to bring up some of the, these younger players, and it's just going to bring a lot of excitement to the team and bring them a little bit higher. I'm going to give my uh, my my best uh, impression of top ten right now. I like the Tigers, but Shelly, you love the Tigers. You've got the Tigers second in this division. I mean, tell me about the Tigers. I mean, what is not like? What is not to like about the Tigers? I mean, they're bringing up um, uh, so many great players. They have they just signed Erod. They're bringing up Spencer Torkelson. Their lineup is legit, pretty much everywhere around. And they, I just kind of feel that they're just gonna get on this roll of. Yeah, we're coming. We're coming. We got Raleigh Green after his foot heels. We have him coming up, you know? Like, they just kind of, like, I, I just I just totally feel it when it comes to the Tigers. All right. I thought I was being bold with number three there, but, yeah, I like that. Uh, Bob, how do you see the AL Central shaking out? Yeah, so I actually thought this was the toughest one. I stared at two through five way too long but i had the white Sox first tigers second <clears throat> guardians third twins fourth and royals fifth and i really think two through five could be like within five games of one another um all have you know younger teams that have different aspects that if they pop could end up in second place i don't think any of them will be playoff teams um but i think the white Sox should win this division by at least 10 games yeah, I think you're probably right with the White Sox. Uh, before we move on to the AL West, Keaton, uh, would you wax poetically about the the White Sox and the potential they have? Because I feel like if anybody is going to challenge the Blue Jays for best record, 
in the American League, it's probably the uh, Southsiders there. Yeah, I mean, they're in a pretty similar situation as the Blue Jays. They have uh, loaded with young talent. They have a healthy Lou Bob. They have a healthy Eloy Jimenez. Let's hope that they stay that way because they are really exciting, really fun to watch. Um, the middle of the order of, uh, you know, uh, recent MVP, Jose Abreu, who still had a pretty nice season last year. He's 35, still crushing it. Uh, and Yo Moncada, Tim Anderson there. The lineup is crazy. It gets a little shaky down at the bottom, but they did just bring in A.J. Pollock to help uh, solidify the outfield so they can stop trying to run first baseman and DHs out in the outfield and getting hurt. Um, they also added Josh Harrison, a nice little utility guy there to play second. So um, it's a really good lineup. Uh, the biggest piece for them is just going to be can the starting pitching stay healthy. They may have the best bullpen in the American League, uh, if not potentially all of baseball, um, but it's going to be on the the pitching staff to stay healthy. Um, Giolito had a little bit of shakiness there down the stretch last year. Dylan Cease hasn't put together a healthy season. Obviously, Michael Kopech also hasn't put together a healthy season. Dallas Keuchel's kind of falling apart there at 34 years old. Vince Velasquez rounding it out. This could be an incredibly talented starting pitching rotation. Or it could be quite a disaster. A lot of wild range of outcomes there. But the lineup is going to be killer. They also may not need much from their starting rotation. Because honestly, if they can get four innings out of their starters, the bullpen can take it from there. So they they don't need the starters to go all that long. So that's, that's going to be the key piece for them. Um... But you're right. Yeah, if there's a team that's going to challenge them, it's going to be the White Sox. Yeah, I I think the White Sox are going to be on my short list of teams, along with the Blue Jays, that I watch most outside of the the Red Sox this year. Um, I love Josh Harrison. I really wanted him to be uh, a Red Sox target this year, and I don't blame him for picking the White Sox. And I don't even know if the Sox were interested, but um, he's so much fun. Tim Anderson's so much fun. Luis Robert is so much fun. Um, that team is is up there for most fun. Shelly, I know you watch a lot of baseball, not just Sox baseball. I mean, how how high do they rank for you on the half to tune into this team list? Um, it's honestly, it's like honestly a must watch. Um, there's so many great players on this team. I am a humongous Giolito fan. I am Team Geo Dude, right? I whenever he is on, I will watch. Um, there's so many great players in the White Sox, and then also the White Sox broadcast crew is amazing. Like <laughs> yeah. I would just like totally tune in. So yes, um. If I'm not watching Red Sox, I might be watching White Sox. Yeah. All right. Nice. Like that. Um, AL West, a uh, little bit more clear cut at the top here. Um, Bob, who do you have uh, for your one through five in the AL West? All right. AL West, I went Astros in first, Mariners in second, Angels in third, Rangers fourth, Athletics fifth. Um put the Astros and the Mariners in the playoffs as two of the six teams. <clears throat> Honestly, kind of wanted to pick the Mariners to win the division, but I just think the Astros have too much coming back. But with the Mariners, you know, calling up 
Julio Rodriguez, uh, stud prospect outfielder, he's just going to provide such a boost to that lineup in addition to Jesse Winker getting traded uh, from Cincinnati, put them with Handiger. Another year, Kalenic, hopefully he advances a little bit for them. And they were so close last year. They went on a crazy run throughout September, won 90-plus games. Um, Had Logan Gilbert, who was great in the uh, second half of last year as a prospect pitcher. And, you know, he's another year older. And then Matt Brash is a new starting pitcher prospect that's being called up this year. So they have a very good bullpen as well. They don't have a clear-cut closer, but they have like five or six guys that could close. And, you know, if there's kind of one sneaky division pick that I could see happening, I think the Mariners could could make another jump. And, and they did win 90 games, so I don't know how much they can jump beyond that. I think they should be in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Bob. Uh, I have the division uh, going Astros first, uh, Seattle second as well. Um, I have uh, Angels third, Rangers fourth, Athletics fifth. Um, but I also have the Mariners breaking the, what I believe to be the longest streak in pro sports right now, uh, in right. terms of not making the playoffs. I think this year, if they didn't make it, it'd be 23 years. Um, so yeah, I think they break that, um, and, and get in. Uh, I think the Astros are just a little bit too good, but I love uh, all the moves that they've made. I think Ty France is a really good player to add another guy to what you were saying. Mitch Hanniger, love him. Um, Abraham Toro is an interesting name to watch. And I think I'm fully buying into the Robbie Ray breakout. There's something to uh, lefties in their 30s uh, kind of figuring it out. And if we're talking about good bullpens too, I actually think there's a lot of potential in this uh, Seattle bullpen. It could be a real strength for them. Uh, towards the back end. So uh, I'm very, very interested in that. They could end up adding uh, Ken Giles and uh, Munoz as well to that mix at some point. So that that could be could be very interesting. Uh, Shelly, how do you see the division shaking out in the uh, AL West? Yeah, I mean, I have it the same way as you guys. I have Astros, Mariners, Angel, Angels, Rangers, A's. But I would not be surprised if the Mariners actually take it. Um, I, I And I do think that they, if they do overtake the Astros, it's more of the lineup that is just really going to click. And Julio's going to get there and just like get things going, just get a good vibe going, and just kind of like, you know, just promote them over the Astros. Astros is a great team. But they, you know, a lot of the players that they've lost, I can kind of see that the Mariners just get on a roll and, you know, overtake them. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting um, division there with the Astros, Mariners, and the Angels. I mean, like, they have, like, some really good players, too. But I had Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers, A's. Do you have the Mariners breaking their streak and making the playoffs? Yes, yes, I do. With everything that they have done, I, 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 I do think that they break that they break that streak finally. Nice, Keaton. Are you uh, with all three of us on the optimism for the Seattle Mariners? Unanimous. Nice. Who, how do you see it? 
Astros, Mariners, Angels, Rangers, A's. Exactly the same way you guys do. Oh, nice. Um, That's what I meant by unanimous. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I, I thought you meant unanimous. Yes, I have them in the playoffs, not the oh, exact no, same order. But um, Oh, you don't have them in the playoffs. No. Spoiler Ooh. alert. Okay, so let's review before we move on to our, our divisions. Uh, Keaton, give us your uh, three wild card teams from the American League. Yankees, Red Sox, Rays. All AL East party. Okay. And uh, Shelly and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. We all have it. Uh, Rays, Red Sox, or I'm sorry. Bob and I have it. Rays, Red Sox, Mariners. And Shelly, you have it. Rays, Yankees, Mariners. Um, I might have Rays, Tigers, Mariners, but it's definitely Yankees, Tigers, kind of like, kind of like that third spot. Okay. Okay. And Bob, did I get that right with you? Yep. Okay, cool. All right, moving on to the National League East. Uh, I'll lead off here uh, for this division. I have it Braves uh, winning this division. Um, Phillies coming in second place and earning the third wild card spot. Uh, the The Marlins finishing third in that division. I have the Mets who spent an ungodly sum of money this year uh, finishing fourth place and the Nationals uh, finishing fifth. Um, before I uh, you know, move on here, I just want to explain my against the grain uh, Mets take. Uh, the, the Mets are going to Mets, and what that means is that good players are going to go to the Mets and immediately get hurt. So I uh, am already crying for my starling Marte fantasy shares. I think he's probably at 33 years old. I don't know how much he's got left, um, you know, health-wise. Um, Francisco Lindor, I don't know what to expect out of him. I don't think the lineup is particularly great, and I think when you're banking on injury-prone starting pitching, uh, especially older starting pitching, uh, to carry your club, I don't think that's a great thing. So... Um, I think the Mets end up really breaking a lot of hearts this year, like usual. Uh, Keaton, how do you see this division? Braves, Mets, probably I'm a little bit more optimistic. Phillies, Marlins, Nats. And any wildcard teams from that division? Yes, the Mets. Okay. Uh, Shelly, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you when it comes to the Mets. Um, when I saw that Starlane Marte like signed with the Mets, I'm like, I'm just going to cross him off my uh, reject league because I'm just like, yeah, it's just not, it's just not, it's just not going to go well. Um, but how I have it see see it, you know, how I'm seeing it is we got Atlanta, we got Philly with their crappy defense, but they'll still make, you know. A wild card spot there. Mets, Marlins, because I still don't really believe in the Marlins as much as I love their pitching. And then, uh, sadly, Juan Soto and the Nationals will finish fifth. All right. Yeah, it's tough to tough to pick any team with Juan Soto to finish fifth. But, um, yeah, I think that will probably be a consensus across the board. Um, Bob, how did you have the National League East coming 
the same as Keaton Braves, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Nationals. And Jake, I figured your boy Chris Bassett getting added to the Mets would counteract anything else that you <laughs> felt negatively about them. It almost did. I love Max too. So uh, I'm just I'm just so worried about the the curse of the Mets. Everything they touch is garbage. So oh, yeah, yeah. I think Lindor uh, and Alonzo are gonna, especially Lindor needs to bounce back. But I think Alonzo should have a really good year. I don't know that the lineup one to nine looks very good, and then obviously Degrom is out. But if you can optimistically think he pitches half a season, which might be far-fetched, but they have some pitchers to fill in. Carrasco's healthy. Tyler McGill is a good arm. I I think they're going to scratch their way into the playoffs. You know, one of my best friends uh, who was one of my groomsmen in my wedding is a massive Mets fan. And uh, I'm hoping that this prediction of mine works as a very strong reverse jinx on the uh on the Mets and they end up like winning 100 games in the division. So, uh I I'd love to see that cuz I do like all the players on the Mets. It's just that training staff, man. It's like it's, it's not good. I don't know what they do over there, but it's not good. They got uh good old Dr. Spachenin. Yeah, apparently. So, uh, I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. That was a 30 Rock reference. Okay. <laughs> He's not a good doctor. NL <laughs> uh, Central. Uh, Shelly, you know, you live with a Reds uh, prospect uh, expert, so I think it's only appropriate if you start us off with your NL Central picks. Ha, yeah. Uh, the, the the first pick here, was, I think, was easy, and then it got kind of muddled. Uh, so I went the, with the Brewers to win the NL Central. Went with the Cardinals, Reds, Cubs, Pirates, but after after the Cardinals, I with the with the Reds and Cubs, I was just really a shruggy emoji. I I don't really feel any anything about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good division. This is probably the worst division in baseball. Yeah, I mean, it used to be the AL Central, and it's definitely now the NL Central, um, outside of the Brew Crew. Um, and, I mean, the Brewers still have, like, their issues as well, right? Um, it's just, yeah, it's really just not that great. Yeah, it's like all the owners that want revenue sharing uh, in the NL Central. It's, yeah, it's not great. Um, Bob, how do you see the NL Central shaking out? All right, I went with the Brewers first. Uh, second, I had the Cardinals. Third, I had the Cubs. Fourth, the Reds. And fifth, the Pirates. Uh, I had the Brewers and Cardinals as playoff teams. Wow, okay. So you're believing in what the Cardinals did over the offseason? Yeah, I think that they usually just figure it out. And I think... Tyler O'Neill could be a monster um, behind Goldschmidt and Arenado and Carlson. I mean, that's a great first four. <clears throat> I think they have a good bullpen, and I think that they just generally kind of get it done. I, I don't know that the, the sixth spot in the NL is going to be uh, as, as many wins as the AL, so 
just kind of snuck them in there as the sixth. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Adam Wainwright's still getting it done. I think Michaelis is a decent pitcher. They gave Matt some good money. Um, but, you know, they definitely have some injury risk uh, in their rotation. Yeah, I like the bullpen, Cardinals but... a lot. That's that's a good pick, and and Goldschmidt's still quite good. Nolan Arenado's awesome. So, yeah, that's that's a it's an interesting team. I think any year you could tell me the Cardinals would make the playoffs, and I pretty much believe you. So, yeah, and I I think the Cubs, you know, when they started signing free agents, I wondered if they looked around and just said, "This division sucks. Maybe we should just expedite our rebuild." And it wouldn't have shocked me if they were kind of the Red Sox of last year where they were a year ahead. Um, so I almost put them second, but all right. Nice. Um, Keaton, how do you have the, uh, NL central brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, pirates, only brewers in the playoffs. Okay. Nice. All right. I'm going to break our trend. Uh, our, our, our trend here has been to have the pirates last. I have, uh, brewers first making the playoffs Cardinals second pirates, third reds, fourth Cubs, fifth. Hey now. Yeah. Um, so, so here's the thing. I like what's happening over in Pittsburgh aside from them sending down O'Neill Cruz. I don't like that. Uh, but I think that O'Neill Cruz, uh, Contreras, the pitcher, um, Piguero, the shortstop, all of those players could impact the big league club this year. And I think pretty highly of all of them. I also think that, um, they won't end up trading Brian Reynolds, uh, and Brian Hayes is pretty good. Um, I kind of like Cole Tucker too. There's like a lot of guys on this team that I like. Um, Michael Chavis is not one of them. Um, <laughs> Rude. Again. And I really like Bryce Wilson too, who's their number three starter. Um, he came over from Atlanta. I, I thought a lot of him. Uh, Mitch Keller's an interesting guy. Um, Zach Thompson, I really liked his stuff last year when he was with Miami. Uh, and I think their bullpen is okay. Uh, it's not great, but I think that they're they're going to surprise some people. They're not going to be the easiest team to play against. And O'Neal Cruz could be a real star in this league. So I'm, I'm going to just predict that your Pirates with a great system is, is going to surprise some people this year. I mean, nice. I, I, I like it and I get it. Um, I'm a little bit like, like maybe not as high as you or on the pirates, Jake, but I am higher on the pirates than, than some of the consensus. Um, but I, I, I could see where the pirates could kind of like bump up out of that fifth spot. Um, but yeah, it's just like the Reds, Cubs, pirates. It's just kind of, it kind of depends on luck at that point in my opinion yeah and to be fair like i'm not expecting high win totals for the pirates sure. i think they could be third place in this division with 75 wins i think the reds took a massive step back and i don't believe in what the cubs are doing over there um their roster just doesn't make a ton of sense to me so i think it's going to be brewers and cardinals battling for first and then 
a whole dumpster fire uh, behind it. I just think the Pirates might have the more interesting dumpster fire of the three teams. But we shall see. Uh, Ahoy, matey. Let's move on to the NL West. Uh, Keaton, kick us off with your NL West uh, Mookie Betts. I mean, Dodgers. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, D-backs, Rockies with uh, Dodgers, Padres, Giants in the playoffs. All right. Nice. Nice, nice. Uh, Bob, who you got? Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies with the Dodgers and the Giants in the playoff. Okay. And Shelly? Um, I have the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, uh, Diamondbacks. But I do think that the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and maybe Giants might be a little bit um, close. Uh, how many playoff teams from that division from you? Um, I have the uh, just the Dodgers and Padres. Dodgers and Padres. Okay. I have it the same way as Shelly, Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, D-backs, but I have all three Dodgers, Padres, and Giants uh, making the playoffs with Padres wildcard one, Giants wildcard two, um, and the Phillies is my third wildcard. I really believe in the Giants pitching. I I think that they have figured something out uh, there, and I, I really like what they did rebuilding that staff on the fly. Uh, this year. So I do believe in the Giants devil magic, uh, which has sort of replaced Cardinals devil magic these days. Um, let's let's recap our playoff teams before we move on. Keaton, who were your three wild card teams from the NL? Uh, I don't remember the order because I'll have to look further down my piece of paper here, but it's uh, Padres, Giants, Mets. Padres, Giants, Mets. Okay. And Shelly, yours? Um, I have um, Padres, uh, Phillies, Cardinals. Okay. And Bob? I have the Giants, who I only put second. They won 107 games last year, followed by the Mets and the Cardinals. Okay. Good. All right. Let's get to our uh, predictions for uh, the playoffs. Uh, I'll just run through my predictions. Uh, first, and then we'll go to the rest of you guys. Um, AL wildcard matchup one, I think it's going to be Red Sox versus Astros. Um, AL wildcard two, Rays versus Mariners. Um, I see the uh, Rays beating the Mariners and the Astros beating the Red Sox. Uh, NL wildcard one, I have the Brewers versus the Phillies. Um, and I have the uh, Brewers uh, losing to the Phillies there. Um, and I have my second NL wildcard matchup, Padres versus Giants. I have the Padres winning that. Uh, ALDS, I have the Blue Jays versus the Rays. Uh, and the White Sox versus the Astros. I have the Blue Jays and the White Sox both moving on to the ALCS, where I have the Blue Jays beating the White Sox. In the NLDS, I have the Dodgers versus the Padres, with the Padres surprising the Dodgers. And in the NLDS second series, I have the Braves versus the Phillies. Braves winning that. 
and the Padres playing the Braves in the NLCS with uh, the Padres uh, losing that series. Uh, so my World Series is going to be Blue Jays versus Braves and a Blue Jays win the World Series. Yeah, that's what I have. Uh, Shelly, who do you have for your playoffs? Uh, yeah, I was very confused. Um, so I'll just go for like the uh, DS type stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the DS, I had the Jays versus the Rays, and then the Astros versus the White Sox in the AL side. Um, and I definitely think um, that the Jays and the Astros make it out of that, mm-hmm. which will make a really, really good just matchup there. Um, and I do think that the Jays are going to make it to the World Series. Um, and then on the NL side, I had Dodgers versus Padres and then Brewers versus Atlanta. And I had the Dodgers facing Atlanta in the NLCS. And then in the World Series, I had the Jays versus the Dodgers because I want to see it so, 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 so badly. And I think that the Dodgers are going to take it um, there just their team is absolutely sacked well that's a lot of nice blue uniforms in that world series so (laughs) i'm here for the blue um all right uh let's go to you keaton who is your world series or your your playoffs how do you see working out yeah so my al wild cards i got the astros versus the rays red sox yankees that'll be a blast nl i got giants braves padres mets and then for the DS, I got the Red Sox beating the Yankees, moving on uh, to face the White Sox. And then the Astros beating the Rays, moving on to face the Blue Jays, with the Blue Jays winning and the White Sox winning. So we got a White Sox, Blue Jays, ALCS. NLDS, I got the Padres and the Giants winning the wild card round. So I got Dodgers, Giants, and Padres, Brewers, with the Brewers and the Dodgers winning. So I got. Brewers, Dodgers, NLCS, White Sox, Blue Jays, ALCS, and I got a Blue Jays versus the Brewers for the World Series with the Blue Jays winning. Okay, second, uh, third person with the Blue Jays in the World Series, second person with them winning. Uh, Bob, how do you see it happening? All right, for the ALDS, I had the Astros beating the Red Sox and the, wait a second. No, I didn't. I had the Astros, White Sox, Jays, and Red Sox. So I had the White Sox and the Jays making the ALCS. Um, And then in the AL, I had the White Sox over the Jays in the ALCS to make the World Series. In the NLDS, I had the Dodgers, Brewers, Braves, and Giants in that round with the Dodgers and Brewers advancing. So I think I had the same final four that Keaton had. I had the Dodgers beating the Brewers. So I've got a Dodgers-White Sox World Series. I think the Jays are just a year away, maybe. White Sox a little more playoff experience. And I have the Dodgers beating the White Sox in the World Series. Okay, so you broke the trend of uh, Blue Jays in the World Series, but we all kind of see the Blue Jays and the White Sox uh, as as the best teams there. But Shelly, actually, you had the... The Astros going to the ALCS, so 
that's interesting. They they're still a very good team, so you can't sleep on the Astros. Really like their pitching as well. Okay, uh, let's get to our awards before we go on and get out of here for the night. Uh, AL MVP, Bob. Who is your AL MVP? Went with Shohei Otani because I think he's going to win two of these, and then people will get bored of the two-way thing. Like they got <laughs> bored with Michael Jordan, and they'll start giving it to other people. But got one more Shohei Otani MVP this year. Nice, and he overtook his teammate for the number one spot on MLB's uh, list of top 100 players this year too. So that's interesting. They had both one and two over there. Uh, Shelly, who was your AL MVP? Um, I think it's going to be Jordan Alvarez this year. I just see like a big time season from him. I, you know, I just think that he's just going to go gangbusters and hit so many home runs and just be an offensive uh, monster. All right, nice. Uh, Keaton, who do you have? Vlad Jr. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, I went with Mike Trout, the chalkiest of chalk picks. I think he's going to come back and be like, hey, I'm the best player on my own team, and by doing that, be the MVP. Uh, AL Cy Young, I had Shane Bieber. Uh, Keaton, who you have? Oh, with Garrett Cole, because um, there are not a whole lot of great options in the AL. No, there are not. Uh, Shelly, who'd you have for AL Cy Young? Um, Lucas, Lucas Giolito says, excuse me, Keaton? There are not good <laughs> options here? I'm, I said they're not a lot. They're, I am in Chicago, sir. Uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> a two, two out of all of the pitchers is still not a lot. Whoa, you're saying Bieber's not a good option? Again, three out of all of the pitchers is not a lot. I'll even go four if you want to include Gaussman five. With still, it's not a lot of great options. That is fair. So, so There's my pick far more in the NL. <laughs> that is totally true. Uh, my pick is Lucas Giolito. Okay, Bob, who's your Cy Young out of the American League? Dylan C says you don't think I'm the best pitcher in Chicago. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> well, that's some all BS. right. That's a bold one right there. I like that. That's I had to a, go outside the box one. with one, so that's the one. Yeah, I like that. Um, I could see it being a first-time Cy Young guy. That's good. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year. Shelly, who is your American League Rookie of the Year in possibly the most stacked American League Rookie of the Year class that I can remember like since I've been alive? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, this was like when you – you know, was like, do you want to, you know, pod today? I'm like, yeah, sure. And that wasn't when Julio Rodriguez was actually announced to the team. So at first it was Spencer Torkelson and, you know, got to say my love to Bubba, Bubba Torque, the, the Frenchie, a part of, you know, who is, you know, who Spencer has um, got to mention Frenchies. Um, but I really do think that it's probably going to be Julio Rodriguez. All right. I'll follow that up. Uh, I will second you. It is going to be Julio Rodriguez as the AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, Bob, who's your AL Rookie of the Year? I went with Bobby Witt, so I'll break that trend a little bit. Um, went just about 30-30 at AAA, and I'll be playing third base to start the season at Kansas City. So I'm going to go with Witt. Nice. Keaton, who's your AL Rookie of the Year? 
I went Julio Rodriguez, but it's crazy. Like looking at Major League Baseball's list of the top 100 prospects, the uh, you have to get to number nine before you get the first National League prospect. <laughs> so, like, this AL class is it's just stacked. Loaded. It's insane. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. The American League is going to be a nightmare for a while, uh, but I like it. Uh, NL MVP Keaton. This uh, this feels obvious, but what? Who was your MVP? I went Mookie Betts. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. Okay. Take I back think, my obvious statement. I think his hip was jacked up, and now he's healthy and excited, and uh, he's going to be back to doing Mookie things. Okay. Genuine shock for me. I like it. <laughs> it sounded like it. Yeah. Uh, Bob, who's your NL MVP? So I get where Keaton's coming from because it's usually a player from a playoff team. Um, but I think Juan Soto is going to hit about 360, <laughs> and his OBP will be close to 500, and he won't give anybody a choice to vote for him. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at, too. I, I have Juan Soto having a vintage uh, Teddy Ball game season uh, over there in Washington and giving the people something to come to the ballpark for. Um, Shelly, who's your MVP? I mean, I really wanted to give it to uh, Juan Soto, but I don't know. Manny Machado, maybe with what San Diego has going on there, maybe he just had, you know, he just goes gangbusters and is just on, like, you know, like the better team, so people would vote for him, even though Juan Soto is still a better player. But I, I, I think that it might be uh, Manny Machado. Okay, that'd be a bold pick there. Um, NL Cy Young, we'll go with that one. Uh, I made my bold pick uh, as my NL Cy Young. I have a first-timer winning there. I have Joe Musgrove uh, from the San Diego Padres uh, winning that Cy Young and taking a big step forward. So I'm banking on the fastball uh, being better for Joe Musgrove because the secondaries are amazing. Uh, Shelly, who's your NL Cy Young? Um, I went with a Brewers pitcher, shockingly. Um, but I went with Brandon Woodruff. I like. I think that this is going to be his year to really just blow past, like, you know, Corbin Burns with the efficiency, with the amount of innings pitch, everything there. I think it's going to be Brandon Woodruff. Nice pick. Uh, Keaton, who's your guy? Logan Webb. Ooh, nice. Very good one, too. Uh, and Bob? I'm with Shelly. I went with Brandon Woodruff, um, one of my probably three favorite pitchers in the game. 256 ERA last year, but for some reason had a 9-10 and 10 record. Hopefully they can get him a little more run support, but I think that Brewers pitching staff will continue to be outstanding. Yeah, I, I think that's a great pick. I'd be very happy if Woodruff won it. Uh, NL Rookie of the Year. Um, Keaton, who'd you have? C.J. Abrams. Ooh, nice. That's a good pick. A right fielder now, C.J. Abrams. So that'll be very interesting to see where he ends up getting the bulk of his time. How many steals do you think for him? Uh, 25. Okay. Nice. Uh, Shelly, who's your NL Rookie of the Year? Um, I just think it's going to be Suzuki. Um, but I really want to get a hat 
hat tip to Bryson Stott because I think that he might have a good year as well. Mm, yeah, very impressive young player over for the Phillies. Um, Bob, who's your rookie of the year for the NL? I also went with Seiya Suzuki, so Shelley were lined up on two in a row there. I think that it's kind of a, a cheat code when um, you know the a player comes over uh, who has been a professional for a few years and is a rookie, and that's happened quite a bit in the past. You know, Ichiro winning a rookie year and MVP. Uh, I don't think he'll quite be at that level, but I think that there's, like you said, just such a, a lack of great prospects in the NL compared to how loaded it is in the AL. And I think that uh, Suzuki takes this one. Yeah. I also have Suzuki as my national league rookie of the year. Um, Japan has not had the same success with their uh, position players as they have their, their pitchers in the major leagues. And I think that say Suzuki is going to be the second Suzuki to come over and really bust that trend up. I think he's going to be a pretty special player. So looking forward to to him this year. All right. Well, that does it. That wraps an absolute monster of a podcast here. Uh, You know, almost a two-hour show. Um, But we do appreciate you all tuning in with us. Uh, We said it was going to be a big one. Hopefully it was an enjoyable one too. And you've got uh, lots of audio to listen to. So tune in to us all season long. All four of us will be here. Uh, doing podcasts. We're also going to have Matt and Brian uh, doing podcasts here at Over the Monster, as well as a couple new names uh, who might be in the mix. So uh, it it should be another great season and uh, go Red Sox. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Follow uh, Bob on on Twitter. Bob, you're at Bob Osgood, right? One five. One five. Uh, Shelly is at Shelly V underscore six four three. I have that memorized. And uh, Keaton, you are at the Spoken Keats. I am at Dev Jake, and the Over the Monster account is at Over the Monster. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be with you again next week. <laughs>